Yes, I have that queued up for a reason. Guess who's back? Thank you, everybody, for waiting out our hiatus. Third line is back. We got Adam. We got Jess. It was a slow summer for news, with the exception of some unfortunate stuff that has been pounded into the ground and I feel is worthy of discussing, but it had been discussed to death, so we just kind of took a break. I think we all needed a little bit of a mental break from all that news that was coming out, but uh, yeah, we are back. Feeling good, refreshed, re-energized. How is everybody doing? Let's start with Adam. Uh, you know, uh, watching some World Juniors. Uh, we just finished up the draft. Uh, what else is there to really do? You know, it's the summer. Yep. Uh, yeah. Not not a ton going on, but yeah. I got Jess, my you... uh, I got my big Australia trip coming up in a couple months. So oh, nice. We'll see. What, we'll see uh, how that's going to work out. Just stay away from every insect and animal that's trying to kill you. Well, luckily, it sounds like, uh, oh, no, he's going in the summertime over there. Oh, God. Summertime yeah. in Australia, you are going to, like, lose 15, 20 pounds easy. <laughs> uh, Jess, how's it going with you? What's been uh, new and exciting in your world? Going well over here. Just, you know, kind of keeping up with life and Running around after kids, ferrying them to hockey and football practice. That's awesome. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, well, it's kind of just been same old, same old. I am on uh, day five of dealing with COVID. I'm starting to feel human again, so that's good. But, uh, yeah, I ran a little poll on our Twitter account real quick, like half an hour ago. That oh, I was, it. oh, I was just asking uh, what we should be uh doing with the pod and whether or not we should continue covering kraken stuff or if we should just stick to juniors and what are we at so far oh let me switch to the third line account here so i can actually see what the poll is at because uh we're at so 11 votes we have got three for keep covering the kraken four for stick to junior hockey Oh, I think my numbers are off. Overwhelming lead right now is just record something. <laughs> so, I feel like people just want us to record something. Doesn't matter what. So why don't we uh, do a little draft stuff? Because that was probably the oldest news. Anybody want to uh, talk about some of the WHL guys that went or uh, some of the guys the Kraken took? Well, I think everybody was shocked that Shane Wright fell to four. Yeah. That's the big news, and I honestly, moving forward, having Maddie Beniers and Shane Wright, like, cracking her set for... Yeah, that's going to be solid. 15 years to come, easy. We hope, anyway. Yeah, yeah I well, mean... Yeah. Go ahead. It was a good year for WHL players as well, you know. Guys like, what, Connor Geeky going, I think it was ninth overall got Matthew Savoy, guys like Denton Matajacek, or however you pronounce his name. <laughs> Something like that, yeah. Uh, Jager, yeah another Kraken, uh, Jaeger Fergus, going yeah. in the early second round. So, yeah, it was exciting to watch. Yeah, uh, Owen Pickering to the Penguins. Yeah. Yeah, uh, what else we got here? Kevin Korchinski to the Blackhawks. Yeah, we don't Poor talk guy. about that one. 
We don't talk about that one. Yeah. Poor guy. Um, you know what? With their, you know, utter teardown and tanking for Bedard, he might just make the team this year. I mean, <laughs> I just, no, nothing against Corch. Yeah. I just like how Liz and, you know, Maddie and other people in the WHL channel were like talking about Korchinski going to the Sharks and making all the memes for like a month and then he goes to the Blackhawks instead. I believe at one point uh, a few of the people from the WHL on Area 51 were just praying, saying anywhere but the Blackhawks, and he went to the Blackhawks. So, yeah, Speaking of Blackhawks, they also traded uh, Kirby Doc for some reason. Yeah, that was crazy. I mean, it's they it's a full-out tank. Weird tra- yeah, they made some weird trades this offseason. It's, but, I mean... I mean, they still got Caves uh, and Kane... Who are probably as good as gone. Yeah, they're both coming up on the end of their contract. Like, this year, I think, is their last year, so... And Taves um, has already said he's not in for a full rebuild. Yeah. I mean, it's it's understandable. I mean, you were talking... Liz isn't here, so we can mention the name that shall not be named. Um, It's the Connor Bedard year, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so teams are going to get desperate to you know, tank for a generational player. Uh, I feel bad for the kid if he ends up in Chicago. I mean, I nothing personal. Obviously, Chicago's had their issues over the years. Hopefully, they can fix a lot of that. But uh, I just know the kid uh, would love to be on, you know, a solid team. He sounds like he would love to be on a Canadian team, too. Ideally for him, he'd love to be on the Canucks, but I don't think the Canucks are going to be bad enough to be in that conversation. <laughs> I, no, you never did know. You think you were going to say that? Did you actually expect yourself to say something like that? Uh, they're going to be mediocre. They're going to be which... low, but they're not going to be that low. Anyone that follows the Canucks know mediocrity is the name of the game for the last, what, 20 years? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, there's, uh, there's some good WHL guys taken. Uh, there was... Uh, I'm trying to look at some of the other ones. Mason Bowpit down to the Sharks. Liz was happy about that. Yep. Um, what else we got? Jared Davidson going to the Canadians. I, watching the draft, I couldn't help but think that Montreal and Seattle had like sneaky good drafts. And I, I think Adam, you mentioned something about that during the draft too. Sorry, what did I mention? I, I missed that person. <laughs> my, uh, my audio cut out for a second. I was just mentioning how during the draft, like Montreal and Seattle had like sneaky good drafts. Like they, they found value at a lot of their picks. Oh yeah. Like they were, yeah, they like Ty Nelson in the third round, uh, David Goyette, like late in the second, but then they also made some mistakes, like picking the goaltender set in the second round that like was ranked. I don't know. I think it was like 15th or 20th overall among goalies. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, Nicholas, Nicholas, Co- Nicholas Coco, Coco. Yeah, I butcher of names as it is. When they're finished, it's even worse. So my apologies to Nicholas. Um, yeah, no, but uh, I think everyone was waiting. I know Joel uh, Henderson, I believe his name is, uh, scout for is it FC Hockey. He was super high on Jagger Furcus. Probably butchering that one too. My apologies. Uh, but yeah, I mean Shane Wright at four. Nobody expected him to fall. Jagger Furcus was, uh, I think, a big win for them. 
Tyson Jugnoff in the fourth round uh, from the BCHL. I know he was ranked pretty high, um, even for a BCHLer. Uh, yeah, I just really liked a lot of the Kraken's pick, and same with the Canadians. Um, it was nice to see them have a really solid draft being in Montreal as well. Uh, the not taking right, I think, is it's a ballsy move. We're going to see how it goes. Do you uh, believe Shane Wright when he said that that stare down at the Habs table was not uh, on purpose? No. <laughs> Full stop, no. I mean, this is a kid that has spent like the better part of four or five years hearing that he's going to go first overall and working to be first overall. Mm -hmm. Um, And then to have him fall to fourth is like, I I can't even imagine like what was going through his mind at the time. Um, So no, I don't at all believe that that stare down was on accident like yeah that was 100 percent. i'm gonna prove you wrong and make sure you know that you made a mistake 100%. well and and seattle they're winning twice because they're getting a player of that caliber and they're yeah. coming they're getting a player that now has a chip on his shoulder and he's got something to prove so instead of coming in and you know not, not necessarily saying he would coast, but, you know, trying to maybe do too much and struggling and all these things. He is just going to have such a fire under him to be the best he can possibly be. Yeah. Instead that... of taking it for granted, he's actually going to, like, work to prove that he should have gone higher. And and not that he, not suggesting that he would take it for granted, but it's just that you never know, right? And now, anytime you can give a young kid extra fire, it's, yeah. I think it's a good thing. And... Seattle is going to be loving that pick. I mean, they're already loving it, but Seattle fans, prepare yourself for two, three years down the road with Maddie Beneers and Shane Wright. And speaking of Seattle, I mean, just to kind of piggyback off of it, they made some sneaky good signings too. And it's they're they obviously had a really rough year as an expansion team. They didn't do the same as Vegas's model. But Vegas' model is clearly not working. They're in cap hell. They can't keep their yeah. best players. It's just a struggle uh, top to bottom in Vegas right now. And, uh, yeah, I really think that the, Se- the Seattle Kraken bringing in guys like Bjorkstrand and yeah. Bur- Burakovsky, uh, Justin Schultz. Like, Schultz is not who he used to be. Yeah. But still super but, solid yeah but i mean like you said i mean you got players like you know bjorkstrand who's you know spent many years over here in the pacific northwest who's uh whl on the on the portland winter hawks you know um he knows the area he knows the lay of the land he knows the fans but also like he's such a grab from cbj i was shocked when I heard that CBJ had traded him to Seattle. Yeah. Um, but I was like over the moon ecst- ecstatic for Seattle to get him. And then uh, Burakovsky as well. I was shocked to hear well, that they had him. Realistically, in both those scenarios, it was just, it was a cap crunch, right? I mean, yeah. the Blue, Jack- Blue Jackets bring in Gaudreau, which was the surprise yeah. of the summer. Surprise of the summer, but it led to some after effects, right? They yeah. had to shed a little bit of salary. 
And same thing with Burakovsky. Obviously, you know, you're looking at the Avalanche who, you know, they had some guys that weren't making as much as they were due. You know, you're talking guys like uh, uh, Nakushkin and, you know, some of these guys that are that are deserving a raise pretty quick. Obviously, I'm not going to mention the name that shall not be named, uh, but he is due a raise pretty quick. And uh, for those who don't know, it's Nathan McKinnon. Um, he is not do anything but a kick in the <laughs> ass. But uh, yeah, no. So uh, Seattle obviously took advantage of some teams that were in a little bit of a cap crunch. And Burkowski super underrated. Bjorkstrand, I think, has been one of the most underrated forwards in the league for the last few years. So, you know, Seattle doesn't have one of those lights-out superstars, but they are starting to load up with, you know, really solid uh, middle six talent. And And they could. They could with their new, with their, you know, their first-rounders with Beniers and Wright. They could potentially have lights-out. For sure. um, I'd like to see a little bit more um, depth in their goal, in their net. No. Um, that was that was really the struggling point for the Kraken this year. Yeah. Um, was th- their goaltending, and um, I'm not actually sure who their backup goaltender is anymore. Oh, just oh, don't worry. You know his. You know their backup goaltender. Oh no! His backup goaltender is one Martin Jones. That's right. <laughs> Oh, I forgot about that, and I was happy to have stayed in the dark about that. The only team that I think had worse goaltending last year than the Kraken were like the Arizona Coyotes. Yeah, I think no, it was the Detroit Red Wings. I think it was that had like the worst goaltending in the league last year or something. And it's like they didn't have a guy who was nominated for the Vesna the previous year on their team. But they did have Najelkovic, who was uh, nominated for the Calder. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember exactly, but it was like one of those two had the worst. It was like Philip Grubauer had like minus 30 goals saved above expected or something like stupid like that. Like, But no you're going goalie. from you're going yeah. from the avalanche to the Kraken, right? Like, <coughs> and, and that's really, like that's really the tell is, is he a good goalie or is it just the team in front of him? Yeah. Well, well, we all know how the well, we all know how the Vesna is voted on, and it's by wins. Yeah, and then sometimes they look into goals against and save percentage. Yeah, well, it's the same thing with the Norris. Same thing with the Norris, right? The Norris is voted on who which defenseman gets the most points usually, which is not the way it should be voted on. Same with Um, the Calder. Whoever has the most points uh, usually gets the Calder. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's kind of a broken system. Yeah, I know in the uh, like NHL video game. If you have, if a player, it's always the player who has the most points, or uh, like a random goaltender who started the for the whole year. That's who gets the Calder in the game, and it doesn't yeah. ever deviate. Yeah, but I mean, we're also talking a game where you can be 19 years old, put up 40 points, and be named captain. I mean, um, we're talking about a game where you can be 19 years old and put up 100 goals. Well, if you got it on rookie mode, yeah, absolutely. Um, but like, we'll find out this year too, because I believe the Kraken also changed their goaltending coach. So if it was a goaltending coach issue, which caused Gruby to kind of go down, down a hill a little bit, maybe bringing in a new voice will help. Um, it will be very hard for them 
to be worse than last year. That's the good news. Yeah, like when it only, comes to goaltending. They have Martin Jones as backup. Yeah. Don't even. Don't even. Because I guarantee you, if Martin Jones can do it, he's going to. I am sure everything that I've seen, Martin Jones seems like an absolutely lovely human being, oh, an, an awesome person. A great person. But yes. his records lately have been not so great. And hopefully, he used to be. When he was the starter for, was the starter for the Sharks? He had a year or two where he was amazing. And it was like, okay, yeah. this, this dude can play. How are you? Oh. Adam, mute. <laughs> Adam, everybody is at work. So we're going to give him a, a break on that one. Uh, he's doing his best to kind of uh, ride the line between work and play. So, uh, yeah, but no, Martin Jones, I mean, I, I hope that he can rebound because, like I said, he seems like an awesome guy. And hopefully he can get a few starts, make something out of him, and kind of rebuild his career because he's had a couple years of garbage, yeah. which, I mean... You know, I, he came, I mean, he came from the Sharks when they were in a complete slide. He totally. came from the Flyers, which, um, tire fire. That, that's just, they're just in a slide permanently. It's like, I don't even, I can't even. Don't worry, Torch is going to fix it. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I shouldn't poke. <laughs> I shouldn't poke. That's Adam's job. Um, <laughs> No, uh, yeah, we'll save the Philly or uh, the Flyers rant for another episode. Um, yeah, that's like a whole episode all yeah. in its own. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, it's we can we can only hope that, like Adam was saying, like there's nowhere really to go but up for the Kraken, and I think they're doing it right. Vegas kind of came into the league and they got gifted some players from yeah. Florida, Florida specifically kind of gifted them two top line wingers or center to winger. I don't remember. Mm. Um, but Seattle kind of came in and said, you know what? We're going to take the slow road. We're going to build, we're going to gain draft picks. And they, they don't want to be a flash in the pan where it's like one or two years where they're cup contenders. And yeah. then it's, complete chaos for five six years which is kind of what it looks like is going on in vegas so i respect yeah, I've it i've been following that one pretty closely the vegas cap hit and everything and it's just it's a nightmare absolute yeah. mess they're going to be getting to that point soon where they're going to be relying on the ltir contracts in order to go over the cap you know they're going to bring in guys that you know are never going to play another game again i mean but they all, they've got right now as far as I haven't checked in a couple of days, but I believe they have 14 or 15 players signed. Yeah. And they're over their cap by about 20 million. They already have 7 million on LTIR because of Shea Weber. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about Weber. Yeah. 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 And See, the so. There you go. So they're already using that LTIR loophole. And and it's not even, they're not even, like, Shea Weber, he's done. Like, yeah. they're, like most people have already said, like, he's never going to play again. What yeah. is the point of taking on that big of an LTIR? Yeah. You have, a like, a cap on LTIR eventually that you can't have more players on LTIR. No, but it's a, it's a value thing. So if he's on LTIR whatever his cap hit is, they're allowed to go over the cap by that much. Hmm, okay. 
Because I what know Tampa that... did. It's what Tampa did with Kucherov when he was out the whole year. They gained 10 mil in cap space, and then mm-hmm. come the playoffs, cap doesn't count anymore. All of a sudden, yeah, Kucherov is healthy for game him. one. Yeah. Okay, sense. I have I have a couple of questions. First off, Shea Weber, does he go to the Hall of Fame? Not maybe on the first initial, but like maybe down the road. No. Uh, definitely not first ballot, but I could see him getting in just for the Norris. I mean, he got what? A couple Norrises? I don't remember exactly. He has to wait a little bit. He's got the gold medal. He's got the, you know, the international career as well. He never won a cup, though. Yeah. But he went to two, right? No, he I went believe- to one. He was uh, when the Habs made the final. Was he on the team? Yeah. 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 But that's he wasn't right. on Nashville because that was when the trade happened. Right. Right. Okay. And then, and then second with Vegas, how pissed do you think they are that like a couple weeks after trading Pacioretty, he goes on LTIR <laughs> for like six months? Maybe they knew. Maybe they knew that his knee was screwed and it was just a matter of time before somebody said, okay, you need to get that fixed. Uh, like, I don't know the ins and outs, but like Jess was saying, there might be a cap on the amount of LTIR compensation that you can take advantage there, of. There is. I remember because last year Vegas hit it because like all of their players, so many of their players were on IR and LTIR. They didn't have any more space to put a player on IR. Because they had Eichel and I believe Shea Theodore was also there for a bit. And yeah. I well, they, and they Vegas was like... Yeah, Vegas did some of the ri- most ridiculous cap gymnastics I've ever seen in my entire life last year. Where and it's gonna like, have to do it again. Where it's like, oh look, Mark Stone is activated, but conveniently, all three of these players are now injured. Yeah. Yeah, because they were wondering when Stone came back. They're like, they might actually only be able to ice three lines because well, they, did they that might a have couple to... times. They did. Yeah. Uh, fifteen, uh, fifteen player or sixteen player games. Because they were left, they were left with no choice. And what's yeah. going to happen when you keep doing that? Those players that you did dress are going to get hurt because they're playing 25, 26 minutes a night. Like, yeah. Well, well, when um, remember back in December, Victoria played Vancouver and they only had what was it, eight forwards and four yeah. defensemen. And uh, Gannon Larocque played like, I think it was thirty-eight minutes. See, yeah. that's different though because there's no cap situation there. It's yeah. literally yeah, just, just uh, that was a they ran situation. out. They ran out of players. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They don't have a farm team to call up from, really. I've, I I I was talking to somebody and they said they've never seen more unavailable players than players that are actually playing in the game before that night. I will say I do have some inside information though that there was a player or two that were healthy, ready to play, and they didn't dress them. And that was a curious moment where it was like, okay, is Dan Price just saying like, I don't trust you to play at all. I'd rather just lice three lines. I'm not going to get into the details, but it didn't matter because they still beat Vancouver somehow. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) They had their number. (laughs) You can basically thank uh, Gannon, uh, Bailey Peach and Tyler Palmer for those games because they leaned on those guys heavily. But, uh, Yeah, going back to Junior, nice transition there. Uh, Maybe we should uh, discuss a little bit of the World Juniors. I mean, does anybody even know they're on? uh, Can we start with Sebastian Casa just deciding to uh, leave his net and try to poke check a player at the blue line? I didn't watch the game, so... I didn't. I I, I don't get him down here. Yeah. It, It was absolutely ridiculous. Like, 
the Latvian player was racing ahead to a loose puck, so Casa just decided to skate for as fast as he could. And I was really disappointed he didn't hashek the guy. <laughs> but well, I mean, Casa's a big boy, so I think he'd probably be okay in that situation. And then he's—it's like because there's like 20 seconds left in the period. He skates off with his helmet, and he's just like laughing. Yeah, <laughs> like I said, he's a big dude. He's not worried too much about it. You're in all that gear. I mean, uh, to be honest, though, like, kind of backpedal with with my comment there. Like, we cover the juniors, and. There's, you know, the WHL on Area 51 is is one of our networks, so, uh, or it's part of our network. And there was a good chunk of people that were like, the World Juniors is on? Like, nobody even told me. Like, it wasn't advertised very well. I only realized that it was a go and it was actually happening like a week ago. Like, right before the prelim games. Like, how well, how did they yeah. drop the ball on the advertising and the... Well, you saw that the tweet I, I sent out that talked about how the combined fans for day one was 1,635. Yep. And that's at Rogers Place in Edmonton that holds, what, 18,000? Yep, at and least. You, and, and you can't even hit, you like barely hit four digits for the day? So the curious thing about this, so yes, there was no Canada game as part of that day one. However... According to what I saw somewhere today on Twitter, no game at the World Juniors has hit less than 5,000 fans ever in its history. Yeah. So how that exactly... That might be the total for the tournament. Exactly, right? Like, I have a funny feeling... It's, it's a combination of things. So it's in the middle of August. People are busy doing stuff. However, it's Edmonton. What the hell is there to do in Edmonton except go watch hockey in August? I've well, been to Edmonton. Is, uh, my favorite is, I think it, it's um, Stephen Ellis, who works for the Hockey News. He posted yeah. a photo of like Germany and Austria are playing as we speak. And he's like, all 12 fans are excited to watch this game. It's and insane. It's just, like, it honestly looks like they're playing in the World Juniors back in December when they had no fans. When it was the bubble, and yeah, people weren't yeah. allowed in the arena. Yeah. Uh, so this is what comes to mind for me. Is it the fallout of all the Hockey Canada allegations and all that? Because there's a couple things there. First of all, it's not even the Canada games that are just being affected. So why wouldn't you go support Germany and Slovakia and Sweden and Finland? Because the double IHF in theory, could play a part in everything that's going on. But if you wanted to really make a statement, you would just boycott the Canada games. Although I'm sure there's something probably eventually going to come out about a couple other teams. I mean, I I'm just speculating, but I doubt Canada is the only guilty party in that. Um, all speculation, obviously. Um, but do you think it's just people trying to send a message? No. What's well, also like... I think the IAHF uh, massively dropped the ball. I mean, Liz and I were supposed to be there. Sorry, we were supposed to be there in December, and um, we ended up not going because she broke her foot, and I got COVID, like, the day before the, we were supposed right. to fly out. Yeah. Um, so we didn't end up going, um, which is good because <laughs> we would have been got canceled. in Canada with her having a broken foot and me giving her COVID. So, you know, that would have been fantastic. Yeah. Um, but 
when it came out that they were going to reschedule the games, they sent us a email about what our ticket packages would look like. And it went from an eight game ticket package where you could choose group A or group B. Um, and then either, I think we had the bronze medal game. Um, so we had eight games plus the bronze medal. So that's nine games. All of a sudden we had an option between two sets of four games. That's yep. it. We couldn't pick both of them and we couldn't go to all of them. Well, we and what I noticed and what I noticed in that email that you sent to us as well was it was very heavily leaned on the Canadian team. It yes. was like all of the Canadian games, including medal rounds, or I forget what the first package was, but I seem to remember there was something to do with team Canada in there as well. So yes. they were, it's it like they were trying to force feed you the team yes. Canada games, which realistically you're both American. Like, yeah, just because it's going on in Canada, like, do they just assume that only Canadian games are people want to see? Because in theory, you guys are more invested in Team USA. So in theory, yeah, it's almost like they're trying to force feed Canadian games because they know that maybe there's going to be a slight boycott of Team Canada games because of everything that's going on. Well, so actually, instead those, of addressing emails, it, those emails came out before everything that was going on with Hockey oh. Canada happened. So we okay. were supposed to tell them in beginning of March if we were okay. going to go. Okay. So the that was, I think what it is, is they're heavily favoring the home country team. Okay. So we'll see when Canada is playing, you're going to see a higher crowd rate because the people that opted for the packages are going to see the Are going to be team. there. They're going to be there, exactly. yeah. Okay, so, so all of Canada teams, games will be, teams, yeah. The Canada teams will have people in the stands. The teams that aren't Canadian teams and aren't going against Canada, they're not going to have the amount that they had because the IIHF packages eliminated them. Yeah, which is unfair. And realistically, half the time, the best stories to come out of the World Juniors is like, you know, team Latvia, team Latvia going on a run and like beating Finland or something. And it's like, oh, my God, like, where did that come from? Um, exactly. And, you know, Finland, Sweden, they are always in the medal contention, too. And why does I, I understand it's in Canada, but realistically, like, it's unfair that you're really trying to play into that home crowd aspect when you're in a stadium that can foot 18,000 people. If you yeah. do a proper job of, um, br not broadcasting of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, promoting, promoting yeah. the games, promoting the tourney, doing all this. And the other thing is maybe if you realize, if you get wind that your ticket sales are not where they're supposed to be or where you want them to be, make it reasonable, make it 30, 40 bucks to go to a game, not 90. Like they are happier to take a, 95% loss and just be like, cool, we have 30 people in the stands. Then to say, okay, you know what? Revenue's not where we thought it was going to be, or ticket sales are not where we thought it's going to be. We're going to adjust and we're going to offer $30 tickets. Next thing you know, that stadium is full and at least they make something. But instead, they're happy to just be like, nope, they're $90 tickets and cool, there's 20 people there. We're fine with that. It's just yeah. insane. Yeah, the, the way that 
this particular um, competition is being uh, managed is completely ridiculous in terms of promoting people viewing it and like going to the games. Nobody knew it was on. Um, the people that did know it was on were being force fed Canada games. Um, the teams that the other teams that, you know, traveled across the world to come to this tourney aren't getting any support because they're unwilling no. to change the ticket prices. Um, it's just, I'm it's sorry. Awful. In the middle of August, a Germany Switzerland game should not be 50, 60, $70 a ticket. No. And you know what? If they're happy putting 5,000 butts in the seats, that's one thing. It's a stadium that holds 18,000. Not every day do you have the World Juniors in a stadium that big. Why not get the the atmosphere fired up? Make the tickets yeah. 20 bucks. You'll get 10,000 people in there probably easily at 20 bucks yeah. a ticket. And then the environment would be crazy and it would be like, oh, look how cool the tournament is and look how much support it's getting. And they could take the focus off of what's happening in the background. Yeah. But instead now people can't help, but ask are the stadiums empty because of what's happening with team Canada and all this background stuff. So now the focus is now turned completely back around to, yeah. Oh yeah. Remember all this stuff that's going on. So now it's like, if they really wanted, if they really had people in there that were smart, they'd go, let's make them cheap. Let's get tons of people in there. Let's just distract from everything that's going on. I'm not saying that's the proper thing to do. You shouldn't be, you should 100% be focusing on the problems and fixing them. But as an organization that wants to make money and wants to promote a good product and wants to kind of eventually move past these allegations and try to improve and move forward, I don't yeah. understand why their logic is not fill the stadium and let's go from there. Yeah, well, I mean, we have to remember the IIHF is not Hockey Canada. So it's not, I mean, yes, there are links up, but they're not ultimately the ones that are responsible for what is happening right now. We also mm -hmm. have to remember that when it comes to this particular tournament, IIHF has probably never seen like numbers this low in never. terms of people showing up to the games. And they've also never had to do it in August. Yeah. So, so they're used to they're used to the packages being sold out. They're used to, you yep. know, people vying for these spots when they open up. They're having to do to having to do a lottery because people can't get in. Exactly. That's what yep. they're used to. So now they need to redo their thinking. And they need to adjust on the fly. Yeah. Yeah, and and I don't know if you've noticed, but uh, hockey it's not their strong suit. has a really hard time doing that. Adjusting <laughs> on the fly, yeah, it's not exactly in their forte. It's um, but yeah, I mean, I, I feel like it shouldn't take a rocket scientist to figure out. Once you start to see these these attendance numbers, you get on the horn with whoever is in charge of your ticket pricing and whatever, and you go, okay, you know what? we're either going to have a total of 7,000 people for the entire tournament, or we're going to cut our losses and say, anybody that wants to come to a game in Edmonton, in Red Deer, in Calgary, come up. We've got yeah. room for you. And like the thing is, so if you look at the cost at the concessions and stuff like that, 
going to a game can really add up for a family. Yeah. I mean, you've got a few kids, you, your husband and your kids go to a hockey game, even a juniors game. It's <laughs> yeah. got to be at least $200. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, we spent a hundred bucks on just the tickets themselves. If we're, if we're lucky and then if you for eat. five tickets and then yep. just the food alone is going to be like another solid hundred bucks. And then, you know, and heaven, heaven for, and heaven forbid you want a beer for $14. No, um, thankfully the winter Hawks are very good. They have like the canned like beer garden for like, I think it's like five or six bucks a can, which is okay. Decent. Decent. But yeah, I, I don't know. It's uh it's a struggle as you know, someone that is kind of, I, I love seeing a packed barn and yeah. It's it changes the environment, and I I feel for these kids that you know this is a big tournament, and they look forward to it, and they might only get a chance to play in one in their entire lives. Yeah, and they're playing to a completely. It's one thing. This is the other thing. It's one thing to play in an empty barn that holds two thousand people. It's a completely other thing to play in an empty barn that holds eighteen thousand, where yeah. every little stick tap like echoes through an empty arena, like. It's disheartening and it's just like, why are we here? Like it just, it takes away from the moment. And despite the allegations of everything that's gone on, um, there is nothing to say that any of these kids that are involved now have done anything wrong. Right. So making them pay is unfortunate. Um, I mean, it's, it's cause it's cause and effect, right? Um, people want to send a message and that's totally within their rights and it's totally understandable and I respect it. But the, the, that's the cause. The effect is on these kids now and it does suck for them. So I hope that the double IHF can kind of adjust on the fly and go, you know what? We cannot have a metal round with 40 people in the stands. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, I hope, it's I don't know how much of it. I don't know how much of the, the ticket prices, um, IIHF has uh, control over versus Rogers Arena. True. Um, but I would hope that, you know, they come together and figure it out. Because I know, like, a lot of times you go to a game or you go looking for tickets for a game and they tend to be cheaper the closer to the date you get, at least yep. for games. Not necessarily for concerts, but for games, you know, because they do want to get people in the seat. You want to fill it. Well, exactly. and it's, it's supply and demand as well, right? So mm -hmm. if they realize there's no demand, well, here's your option. You're going to sell a hundred tickets at 90 bucks each and make $9,000. Yeah. Or you're going to sell 18,000 tickets at a dollar each and make $18,000. Yeah. Like pick one, right? Not to mention the more butts are in seats, the more butts are buying hot dogs and pop and beer and jerseys. And, you know, it's just insane to me that even Rogers place wouldn't be like, okay, having 80 people yeah. in here, it's not working. I mean, they're, they're losing money now because they have got people at all these concessions waiting to serve yeah. people. They've got people selling 50, 50. They've got people in the merch stores that are sitting there going, why are we here? I'm, I don't I care. Even turning on the lights is more expensive than, than what they're making. The, than what they're making with the ticket sales. The guy that is getting paid to run the Zamboni is probably eating their entire profit margin right now. <laughs> yeah, <probably>. like, 
it's just insane. Like I cannot wrap my head around why someone hasn't done the math and gone, okay, stop everything. Just start giving tickets out to people on the street. You'll make more money. Yeah. Pop popcorn, hot dogs, like just give people tickets for free. Who cares? Um, yeah, it's, it's insane. It's, uh, it's hard to watch, but at the same time, I also am part of that crowd that doesn't really want to support, you know, a lot of junior hockey culture is, is broken right now. And I mean, obviously going to reiterate a million times it's allegations, not saying anything is 100% proven or whatever. It's, I don't want to be charged with slander or libel (laughs) allegations. However, it's it's tough and as someone who covers junior hockey you kind of look in the mirror a little bit and go do i really want to you know give this organization more more light more reach when this kind of shit is going on it it makes you look in the mirror a little bit and that's one of the reasons why i also ask like hey do people want us to keep covering crack and stuff because you know i can't sit here and make 14 podcasts about how junior hockey is doing terrible things to people and ruining people's lives you know um on the flip of that like the reason that we're here is to talk about that stuff like the problem and the reason that we're only just now finding out about it is because nobody has been talking about it no one has been willing to talk about it and you know what it's like we've hit that point in all of this where it's like you know what fuck that. We're going to talk about it. This is a real issue. It's an ongoing issue. And it is time that we hold people accountable, whether Uh they're 16, 20, or 60. It is time to hold them accountable. I am tired of sitting here listening to all of these allegations coming out constantly. And then finding out that people knew about them on the back end and did nothing it is time that they'd be held accountable so obviously like i said before you know so far uh the u.s was it ntdp or like junior u.s hockey whatever the their conglomerate is Mm -hmm. i mean obviously we've got hockey canada here um but hockey canada stretches so far so my nephew is six years old and he plays you know timbits hockey or whatever it is right so my ex-brother-in-law has is paying fees to Hockey Canada for whether it's, I'm not sure if it's insurance or registration or something. My kids are too. They're my paying into Hockey are, Canada? No, USA Hockey. All okay, three USA of my Hockey. Kids, all three okay. of my kids have uh, like little numbers. Yep, that registration numbers. Yep, yeah. for okay, USA so, Hockey. And here is where the problem lies. So you have, especially, I mean, the States, obviously, hockey's getting enormous it's it's been on the rise for you know 30 40 50 years easy but it's probably still nothing in comparison to hockey canada and the amount of kids that are trying to get into hockey in canada just because it's you know national pastime and all that good stuff right um but you are now talking about millions of kids in canada who are paying registration fees to an organization that is now using that money as hush money yep telling women here we know some bad shit happened to you. Here's some money. Go away. And the fact that like, I saw something today about someone calling for hockey Canada to no longer be legally allowed to use NDAs. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. 
why did Hockey Canada even have the ability to use an NDA in the first place? Why do you need a non-disclosure agreement as a hockey registration company? You knew stuff like this was going to come down the pipe, and this is why you've got NDAs re at the ready. This is why you've got a hush fund at the ready. Like, it's obviously something that has been going on for so long that there's an entire branch of Hockey Canada that is prepared and ready and has a, you know, pre-signed NDA at the ready. Here you go. Give this to them. This will shut them up. Like, yeah. like you said, I'm not against talking about it. And if more people need to talk about it to, you know, drag these, you know, cretins out of the swamp and actually let them pay for their actions, I will talk about it for the next 10 years. I'm fine with that. It's it gets exhausting though, especially um, like I mean, Liz and I have talked about it, but as as a female in this sport, it gets exhausting. Yeah, hearing all of this stuff come out, and it's like we sit back and we're like, why are we in this sport? Why do we want anything to do with it? Because yeah. time and time again, they've proven that they don't actually give two shits about a female like it doesn't fucking matter they don't care yeah. you know they'll pay them off that's fine and make it go away but the the boys are the most important thing and they're not held accountable and yeah. then it just keeps growing well and and the root of the problem really lies at that younger stage you know like a yeah. year or two from where my nephew is my nephew's mm -hmm. six obviously it's a little too young for him but once you start to get around 10, 11, 12, right, yep. you, you start to get these kids who are really starting to mold into who they are. And I've said to a few people, my, my analogy for this, when you are talking a best on best tournament, you are now pulling individual players from junior teams. And if you're taking one or two players from the Hamilton Bulldogs and one player from the Royals and one player from whatever, you are now taking the best players of those teams. The best players on the junior teams that they're playing for have probably been the best players at every level they've played at, mm -hmm. re reasonably speaking. So you have now got a group of 20, 21 guys who their entire lives have been told how amazing they are and their heads are inflated and it's like, oh, you're going to be, you're going to make it to the show. You're, you're the best. You are so good. So you get a bunch of overinflated egos you put 21 of those kids who are 17, 18 years old with raging hormones all in one place, and you basically say, you guys can do no wrong. Have at it. The world is your oyster. Yeah, like, and there hasn't been any, there has been absolutely no, you know, communication for, like, about what's right and wrong. And even if they do talk about it, there's no consequences to those actions. Yeah. Um, and it's perpetuated by, you know, conversations in locker rooms and things like that. I have not overheard many bad conversations in the locker rooms with my kids, thankfully. Um, but, you know, Mason, Mason is 15 years old. And he's a goalie and he's come out of his locker room a few times just pissed because of the way that some of the kids in the locker room are talking and treating each other. And, yep. you know, and he'll he's loud, that kid, and he'll tell them off. He's got no freaking problem. He's like, I'm the goalie. I can say whatever I want. If you don't like it, I'll let a goal through and you can lose. Uh, you know, like he doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't care. Like, fair enough. Fair like, enough. Kids like I'm the goalie. 
what are you gonna do yeah um but he'll tell him off but like my my middle one he's real quiet and so he won't say anything but he'll come to me and he'll tell me later what's you know been going on in the locker rooms and and he's even at this age like in the metro division there are still those kinds of kids and it's like the parents don't do anything either well and i mean you look at the stereotypes too i mean nothing against yourself there are obviously exceptions to the rule but it's become a cliche that sometimes hockey parents are the absolute worst. Like they're yelling, they're screaming at refs because their kid got hooked. And it's like, dude, they're eight. Like it was one play and your kid got hooked and you're going to hunt down a ref in the parking lot. Like, okay, relax. Sports parents, sports parents. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily have to be hockey. It it doesn't like, I, like I said, my, my oldest, he's a hockey goalie, but he's also a football player. So I've been dealing with, sports Sports parents parents. yeah since he was five years old and they're the worst most of it mostly it's the dads yeah because you know um but some of the testosterone absolutely awful so so uh, picture and you know what so like i said there's exceptions to the rule and i would say the you know the the terrible sports parents might still be in the minority um there's probably the majority of people are probably still pretty, pretty wholesome and, you know, decent, but yeah. picture the offspring of said bad sports parents. They're going to get that entitled mentality. Like, yeah, that kid hooked me, you know, like whatever, let's, let's hunt him down in the parking lot after. Cause that's what my dad says we should do. Like, yeah, and it's just going to grow from there. It's just going to grow and you're going to get this giant head and you're going to be like, well, my dad says I can do whatever I want. Cause I'm the best player on my team. Mm-hmm. Well, put 20 of those kids together like for every you know one of those there are probably definitely wholesome kids i mean i allegations aside you look yes. at some of the players that were on some of these rosters of the years that there was issues there are players that i could never in a million years picture getting involved in situations like this because maybe they're the they're in the minority they're one of the kids that was brought up you know to be wholesome and to be good And they probably wanted nothing to do with that. And there are a ton of kids that are getting dragged into the mud because they were on the same team as some of these cretins that were, you know, doing terrible things. Um, But yeah, and and that's the unfortunate part as well is, you know, there are always good kids and you don't want to lump them in, which is kind of why everybody wants names. So they can clear the names of some of the players that weren't involved. But it's very tough. I mean, these kids were minors when this happened for the most part. And, you know, you don't want to necessarily, you know, give a lot of people the fuel and the ammo. But at the same time, like, maybe you should. Maybe yeah. if there are if there are players that were involved that are currently playing in the NHL. I mean, you look at the the Brendan Leipzig of the world and the Jake Furtanens and whatever and the Evander Canes. Kane, unfortunately, has continued his career because the Oilers decided that, you know, they needed that style of player. But, you know, the Leipzig and the Vertanens and whatever, it's like, okay, you're going to be a terrible human being? Well, guess what? The only people that are going to want you now are over in Russia, so go have fun. You know? Yeah. Go ride the bus through freaking Siberia. Like, if you want to continue your career, that's where you can go. And, yeah, I'm sure there's going to be some stuff that will come out eventually about who, what, and where. Um... But yeah, it's it's tiring. 
it's really tiring to to think that that kind of behavior is tolerated and almost to an extent rewarded yeah (laughs) yeah no it's and like like you said as a parent you know it's probably a whole other level for you knowing that your kids could be exposed to this kind of behavior and abuse and it's got to be maddening um as a mother of some kids that are in sports so i can only imagine yeah and i worry about you know my daughter at this level as well you know because she plays and she's freaking good um and right now she's it's just it's mixed gender but eventually she will go to the all girls leagues but you know i worry about the behavior of some of the kids the treatment yeah Uh exactly you know and i know that i'm doing my part to make sure that my kids are not part of that um and if i ever find out that one of my kids is part of that i guarantee you they're going to be buried in the backyard um well and (laughs) you know it, it sucks that you also have to you know approach your daughter and say like hey here's something you might be exposed to and you need to, you know, consider the source and, you know, try to just, you know, turn the other cheek and do whatever. Um, that shouldn't be on you to be like, Hey, you might be exposed to this. Like this yeah. shouldn't be a conversation you even have to have. I have a funny feeling knowing you and, you know, seeing a little bit of the way your daughter rolls. I think she'll be just fine. <laughs> she probably will. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not super worried about her. She's not one to, um, take things lightly or suffer fools. Uh, so I'm not, I know she won't turn a, turn a blind eye or, you know, turn her cheek on it. She'll full on fight. Um, and then she'll come tell me all about it. So that I can go fight. <laughs> yeah. I don't have a problem going to the coaches and causing a whole big problem either. Um, and we need more people like that. We need more people that are willing to stand up and speak out about this stuff. And it's 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 getting there. It's in the process, but it's been so deeply ingrained that it just it just feels like a landslide right now. Yeah. I, I have a little bit of faith that, you know, the generations that have been, you know, coming up more recently seem to be a little bit more understanding of mental health and things like that and being a little bit more respectful. Um, it seems like hopefully the generations to come, it shouldn't be as much of an issue. And I mean, obviously there was the 2017, 2018 case, I think, I think it was 2017. Um, 18. 2018. So obviously, you know, that's still fairly recent. Um, and then obviously the one that was brought up before, I think was 2003. Yeah. That one I think was a little bit less shocking to me because I feel like that culture and that, that logic is a little bit more old school. Um, hopefully it's being worked on. Hopefully some of these kids are getting a little bit of education and getting um, a little bit of knowledge that, you know, you have to think about how you treat people. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's tiring, but at the same time, I agree with you that if it's our job to, to be on the front lines and trying to get it discussed, 
then I'm 100% on board for that. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's like, it's our job to be on the front lines talking about hockey and, you know, letting people know what's going on with hockey, which also means it's our job to talk about that. Uh, it's a hard subject. It's one that, you know, you're going to get backlash on. Oh, why are we talking about this? This is such a depressing subject. Well, we're talking about it because it's a serious subject, you know, yeah. and that's just the way it is. Like, yeah, okay, it's triggering really it is it's hard to listen to but you know what at at this point in time it's part of the conversation and it yeah. needs to stay in the conversation because the minute it stops being part of the conversation we lose track of it and these people are allowed to do it again well and we can avoid some of the triggering too like obviously we're not going to be getting into you know heavy duty the details detail. And the details are what tend to trigger people, especially people that have, you know, gone through situations like this in the past. So yeah. I don't want to trigger anyone and I'm not going to go into heavy duty details, but I will hammer to death, you know, the logic behind, you know, why it's not okay to do these things and why the people that were in power when this happened and did nothing need to be held accountable. I'll beat that into the ground. I'll beat a dead horse for freaking weeks, months, years yeah. if I have to. Um, yeah, I, I don't think I will ever uh, discuss just, details. But that's just that's just exactly what we need to do. We just need to keep it in the conversation. You know, until it changes, it needs to stay relevant. Yep, and like that's you said. Always like you said, when this all started is the reason why this was allowed to happen in the first place is because people wouldn't talk about it because exactly. people were like, Oh, well, you know, my buddy will get in trouble if I bring this up. So, you know, there's too much of an old boys club when it comes to yep. the league and like, you know, NHL is, is not immune to this kind of stuff. And yeah. I'm sure playing in, the NHL, playing in the WHL, playing anywhere. It's not a requirement. It is. It's, it, it's it's not a right. No, it's a privilege. It's a privilege. You get to play because you're good. And, you know, all these people that are like, we don't want to ruin their career talking about this. Well, you know what? They just ruined it themselves. That's well, all you know, and I'll, I'll jump back, you know, not to obviously I'm not going to I'm doing my best to not slander or libel or any of those right. terms. Um for all 14 people that listen to our podcast. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I refer back to the Vertanen thing. Like, he, yeah. got found, he got found not guilty. It was amazing how many people showed their cards on Twitter as to what type of people they were to say, yeah. see, we ruined this kid's career and he's innocent. I'm sorry, there is a very big difference between innocent and not guilty. Yeah, I was just going to say innocence and not guilty are not the same thing. One means you couldn't prove it in court. Yeah, that's it. And that there are millions of people that get off with all kinds of heinous crimes because there was not enough evidence to prove it in court. That does not mean they're innocent. And I'm sorry, you know, innocent people don't usually end up in court. Yeah. You know, there, there can be there can be women or men or whatever that make allegations and, you know, try to drag someone's name through the mud. If there is absolutely zero evidence of anything, it won't get to court. Usually not, no. Usually not. 
it got to court because they're like, we need to open this up a little more because there might be smoke where there's fire. And I'm sorry, if you get to a, to have your day in court, there's a good chance that you were not innocent, quote unquote. And yeah, it's just, it's unfortunate that so many people are so quick to go, look, not guilty. This man was innocent and blah, blah, blah. Okay, cool. You just showed your own cards as to what type of human yeah. you are. So if you can't understand the very simple concept of innocent and not guilty, well, that's on you. <laughs> it's true. It's very, very I will, true. I will dunk on those people all day. I can't, uh, I can't as a woman imagine being willing to go through a trial of that magnitude if you weren't telling the truth. Yeah. Because yeah. I, the woman is usually the one that's actually on trial when it comes to shit like that. Like, it yeah. is not an easy thing to go through. No. So. And yes, there are there are 100% times where someone is trying to take advantage of a situation. Oh, or, yeah. tr or trying to get a payout. That, that Those situations do occur. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. They but, usually end in payouts. Yeah, exactly, right? Like, <laughs> like um, yeah, sure, I'll take a settlement. Yeah, 100%. But at the same time, how did you get to that point in the first place? Mm -hmm. You probably made a poor judgment call. If you are a professional hockey player and you are out having a few drinks with your boys and some girl latches on to you like glue, maybe consider your environment and go, this is not necessarily the best situation for me being in the position I'm in. Like, I, it's just, uh, maybe I'm, you know, too smart for my own good, but, uh, and also <laughs> I haven't been, logic in things. I also haven't been put in that situation too many times, but, uh, you know, maybe put the hormones away for five minutes and let your actual brain do the thinking and be like, this is a bad scene. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's hard though. When you're that kid that has been told since you were eight, how amazing you are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's very hard. So humble, humble is what I try to impart on my nephews as well. Doesn't matter if you are <laughs> the best player on your team. Guess what? You know, there's always going to be someone better than you, and that's okay. I try to teach my kids to be humble too. Mason is not like <laughs> yeah. at all humble at all and i make fun of him for it i'm like but you're so humble you know and <laughs> so not sometimes like oh my god that kid boasts so much and i was like you need to take a step back i promise you your shit sinks just as bad as everybody else's calm down so. well and <laughs> i've used the phrase as well there's a difference between confidence and cockiness yes like it's fine to be confident you should be confident if you got skills be confident in yourself. That's totally cool. Cockiness. That's a whole nother story. Undesirable. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I got people trying to spy on me now. So uh, <laughs> yeah, my daughter's tried to bring me the cat like three times. Well, yeah, we should probably uh Adam off. told us to Adam told us to keep it to 45 minutes, which is why he's no longer here. Yeah, he had to go back to work. Um, yeah. I don't know if can we stop this? Uh, I, it says leave studio. Well, I, I, 
Chris, quickly do oh. the other one and I'll stop. Hey, there you. There we go. Okay, Adam needs to go back to work. So thank you, everybody, for tuning in this week. We will try to not take as long next time between episodes. We will get back to it for Chris and Jess and Adam, who is at work. Thank you very much for listening to this week's episode of the Third Line Podcast. We will be back. Bye. Bye. And thank you once again for listening to this week's episode of the Third Line Podcast here on the Area 51 Sports Network. Make sure to head over to area51sportsnetwork.com to check out the variety of shows that we have here on the network. Whether you're a basketball fan, soccer fan, hockey fan, or are looking for some betting advice or into some esports, the network has it all on area51sportsnetwork.com. Also, make sure to check out some of our sponsors on the website, whether that be Dr. Squatch, uh, Soap Co., Monkey Knife Fight, Habson, Bet99.com, or High Stick Vodka. All of our sponsors are great. They help us, so make sure that you support them as well. Lastly, when you are on the Area51SportsNetwork.com page, make sure to head over to the WHL tab. Over on the WHL tab, you can read some of the newest articles from members of the Third Line podcast as well as other writers who are covering the WHL's BC division as well as the U.S. division. Thank you once again for listening, and we hope that you tune in again for another episode of the Third Line podcast.